I'm not the type of person who's into collecting things. I've never been into shoe game. Although it's very cool, it's too expensive, and I just can't afford it. And I have the widest feet imaginable, a 4E, if you were wondering. I've never been into collecting sports memorabilia, although I do have a couple really cool pieces that are near and dear and important to me. I can't see myself spending thousands and thousands of dollars on unique sports memorabilia that's going to sit around collecting dust. But people love collecting cards. Whether it's Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Pokemon cards, baseball cards, basketball cards, whatever the case may be, people love to collect cards. And so many of those cards are worth so much money today. Welcome to Motor City Hardball, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Today's guest is David Vinsky an outfielder from the St. Louis Cardinals minor league organization. So a lot of people have been doing jigsaw puzzles, doing things in the house to keep them busy during quarantine. But you, David, have been busy collecting baseball cards and pulling some crazy cards. So tell me a little bit about how you got started uh, in this little hobby of yours and what you have pulled so far. Right. So, I mean, I think everyone, if you like sports as a kid, like obviously everyone had their cards, you know, and collected, collected them. But like re- recently, like since quarantine has started, it's become like a, like a real thing where you can make money off it. You can, you know, there's some, like some of these cards are going for crazy value. So I just figured, you know, why not start up a new a hobby that I enjoy and like i just enjoy doing it i'm you know it's a it's a gamble every time you open up a pack of cards you know you could pull nobody you could pull a mike trout and like i i like we talked about i just pulled a mike trout auto so you know i just it's just it gave me something to do uh there's a card shop that's kind of local so we go there and test our luck you know I was, I was going to say like walk me through what that looks like for you because i've never done it there used to be a card shop by the pot belly on orchard lake i don't know if you remember that back in the day it was like open for like a month and then yeah i remember that dude i remember that (laughs) so what what does that look like for you when you walk in how many packs do you get like what does that look like um i guess i mean it depends like i mean the hobby has become so expensive now like if you want to buy a good pack of cards it's going to be like 20 bucks at least you know Whereas back in the day, you could go to the Target and buy a pack of baseball cards for three bucks, you know, whatever. So that's kind of all changed. So I guess it just depends how I'm feeling. Like, no, it's just a cool thing to do. Uh, me and a couple other friends are pretty into it. And, you know, they're, it's something that you can hold on to for years. And, you know, hopefully one day you'll find a gem that is, you know, worth a lot of money. So, so is your goal right now, are you hanging on to these cards or are you looking to eventually sell them at some point either now or in the future? No, that's a good question. Um, so like when I first started, I, uh, I made an eBay and started selling car. I sold like probably, I didn't sell any really big cards, but I sold probably close to a thousand bucks worth of cards, but I stopped because eBay takes like fees from mm. everything. And they, so it's called like fee bay. So they, they get you, man, they get you good. So I stopped doing that. So now I'm just like, holding on to them, you know, I, and just, 
I think it's just cool, a cool little collection to have. You know, I, some people collect shoes, other people collect other things. I, I collect cards. Exactly. That's that's what I I talked about at the beginning. Was you know people are so big into shoe game, and and shit like that. I mean, shoe game itself is so expensive. Let alone yeah. pulling, Sports spending players. countless money on cards. You know, um, that you so you pulled a Mike Trout card. Which so I don't really know much about cards, but I do know obviously about Mike Trout. Uh, so it's a top certified autograph issue. It's a what twenty out of or ten out of twenty five. Twenty five, yeah. So like only twenty five of those specific cards were made, which is means it's called a short print. So like obviously, there's not a lot of them, which increases the value. Um, yeah, when I pulled it, man, I was. So like the, what I got it from, I got it from a single box. It cost $90 to get, and it comes with one signed encased card. You know, I, you could pull Travis, you could pull the a, the worst player ever, or you could pull Mike Trout. I think I did open three before that and didn't pull anyone that good. And then I pulled the Mike Trout and I like opened it up very slowly, <laughs> saw the Trout at the end of it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we just hit for sure. and then was out of 25 which made it even better so so it's a guaranteed like you spend 90 bucks on that box and then it's guaranteed that you will pull a card that is autographed but it, it could be like schmuck mcgee it could, like, yeah it could literally be like the worst player in mlb you know like yeah that. but you just so happen to pull the trout card damn that's wild people were saying like that's like you know you soup you got super lucky and i was like yeah i mean <laughs> flex on him dave i know <laughs> that's that's really cool to hear i i don't know anyone really other than like when we were little growing up because pokemon cards and Yu-Gi-Oh cards like that was the shit that was what everyone was doing and some people were a little bit into you know baseball cards and i think of like steve and Ankawi. steve was big on basketball cards but no one i know of today like someone in their 20s is into polling cards and baseball cards and things like that but it's like you said it's super valuable and a card like that mike trout card is like well like that's the thing like literally that card's only going to go up in value you know like it's mike trout he's cemented as being one of the best of all time like you know it's only so that's why i'm not in any rush to sell it um it's still in the box i got it in you know it's it's chilling yeah that is so so cool so well, coincidentally, we're talking to David Vinsky, who not only collects baseball cards, but is a baseball player himself. Uh, I've known David ever since what well, kindergarten. We grew up with each other, and you have always been playing baseball. Uh, from how old, how old were you when you were first playing? Started started t ball, so five years old, six years old, you know, and still got like that OG picture of you on the fridge where it was like in, when you're in T-ball and it's made to look like a baseball card, you know what I'm talking Literally, about? Yep. Yep. Stuff <laughs> like, um, shoot, we, we used to play catch in our front yards when we were, you know, Just young little and, kids. Yeah. Yeah. I remember stuff. Yeah. Dave and I go way back, played baseball together in high school. And then you, know, you made the transition into college. Uh, I did not. <laughs> And now you have been drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals back in 2019. And it's a bit of a different scenario because of COVID and how that played in effect. But technically you are in single A ball, correct? Yeah. So um, 
like it's confusing how the minor leagues worked. It should it's a little more simple now that uh, they just cut teams. But yeah, so I I was in short season low A ball, which is like a condensed version of low A. Um, so I was there. I played. I want to say I got drafted in July or no, I got drafted in June. We signed. Season probably started at the end of June, so I probably played. 70 games last summer whereas a full season season is 140 games usually so that's why it's called short season but um yeah so this this coming year whenever we hopefully we start i'll should start in low a and then maybe get to high a by the end of the year which would be dope so and for those who don't know dave was a three-sport athlete back in the day so you were what the quarterback of the football team you played a little bit of basketball, and of course, you played baseball. So between those three sports, how long had you known that you wanted to pursue your career in baseball, and was basketball and football, were those just a side hustle for you at that point? Yeah, I mean, I will say, like, playing professional baseball, like, that never, you know, that never really crossed my mind till like I got into college and like started doing really well, you know, like in high school and leading up into that, I was, you know, I was always the best at baseball, but I played, um, I played basketball and football, you know, to stay active, make friends and, and do all that. So I will say like baseball's always been, um, <clears throat> been my like clear cut, like favorite. I was always better at baseball than I was basketball and football, but I mean, getting like, you know, you've known me for years and when like when we were growing up like it was never like oh man like obviously being a professional baseball player is like every kid's little dream you know it's their dream mm -hmm. but it's not like I was constantly sitting there like yeah man I'm gonna play I'm gonna play professional baseball like you know it's kind of this is something that happened over time like you said I've been working my ass off since I was a kid you know just just because that's always what I've known um and yeah you know things happened uh got lucky and they worked out. So, so you knew, you, you knew like you were, you were going to be an athlete. So like you were, but you knew that there maybe it was possible for you to be a professional athlete. And it's not like when you were playing football and basketball as well as baseball, it's not like you weren't good at those sports. I, like you were good. You, you were an all around athlete. Yeah, I was just an athlete. Yeah. So at that point it's almost like uh well, I have to make a decision as to what I want to do. And I always, I mean, being your friend and knowing you for as long as I did, I knew you were, you would end up playing baseball. Like in my eyes, that was obvious, but did you feel that that was obvious for you, that that was your choice? I mean, I, I just knew, you know, I was my, my skill, I was the best at baseball, you know, so get going to play a college sport. I was always going to try and play baseball in college. It was never going to be basketball or football. Like I stopped playing I didn't play basketball my senior year because I just wanted to focus on baseball and like the spring leading up to that. So, um, yeah, like I was never going to go play, you know, football or basketball in college, like I said. So it was just more, uh, you know, go to bit. I, I just wanted to go play uh, baseball in college. And I mean, I was the first draft pick ever from the college I went to. So I think that says something. And, you know, so you, you you played for Northwood University. When what what did that process look like when you committed to Northwood? And were there any other schools that 
they were looking at you and you were possibly interested in, in going there versus Northwood. Uh, what did that look like for you? Right. Um, so I had, I had one offer. Well, I had two offers out of high school. One of them being um, Saginaw Valley. I got offered from Saginaw Valley first. Um, I didn't commit right away because I think I was going into my junior year summer, which is like a, you know, big summer for recruiting. And that's, that's when, when you get noticed um, the most. And so I didn't want to sign right away. So they pulled my offer after like a week or two. So I, at that point I was like, well, I'm kind of screwed. Like, I don't have, like, they still said, you, oh, you can come here, but you're going to be a walk-on. And obviously I was not trying to do that because I knew I was better than just being a walk-on at it, like a D2 school. So uh, I think I went to a PBR event, which is like a scouting thing for high school kids. And uh, I think Northwood, that's where Northwood saw me. They saw me play one time. They offered me and I honestly really had nowhere else to go. You know, I knew a couple of kids going to Northwood, which made it easier to commit there. But um yeah, there was like, like the decision-making process, there was really none. It was like, all right, you're either going to go to Northwood and play baseball or you're going to go to like a, a normal school, you know, and not, not play base sports. So, so you were a, a four year a three year starter at Northwood, correct? Yeah. I sat one game my whole career and it was the first game, first game I've ever, it was like the first game of my freshman season. That was the only game I sat. Wow. So how do you feel? Cause you played great at North of it, obviously great enough to be drafted. So what did you feel was the difference maker in how you progressed offensively and with your swing from your freshman year through junior year? I love that question. That's a great question. Um, yeah. I mean, so freshman year I come out, I hit four, four thirty, whatever, you know, four forty nine. Um, which is obviously just an insane average. <laughs> yeah, you say you say that like it's like uh, average, or just like yeah. roughly average. <laughs> so I did that. Um, you know, hit for a lot of contact. I had, I think, I led the country in hits my freshman year at like 109. Um, but you know, coming back home and working in the off season, like I knew I was going to have to put up more power numbers to really get looked at professionally. You know, because coming from the D2 level, like you really have to perform to get noticed. It's not like I'm in the SEC where I'm all my games are on TV. Like, you know, I have to really get my name out there. So that was kind of just the biggest thing for me was driving the ball more and trying to hit, not trying to hit more home runs, but having that intent to hit for more power, because I knew like, if I could do that, I knew I was in a good position to at least get noticed. And then um, I think the biggest thing for me, was like and getting seen and stuff like that was just the Northwood leagues, which I think you and Robbie talked about a little bit in your mm -hmm. previous yeah. podcast. But like that was, yeah, that was like the biggest thing for me, more so than anything. Honestly, was going out there and and getting seen there. So, so what's I actually I never thought about this till now. So you talk about you had to improve your power numbers and more so to be noticed. So it's not just, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and, and try to get huge sort of thing. It's, it's discipline and it's like, what, what did you really try to benefit from and, and do so more often to improve your power numbers more so than just going and, and lifting, you know, five right. times a week? Yeah, no. So obviously like, like you said, uh, lifting is, uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a big part of it. And I'm, I'm, you know, six foot, 195 pounds, by no means am I a big dude, you know, I'm very average size. Um, so I think for me, like, if you're asking what did I have to do besides like getting stronger, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was just starting from the ground up and really just trying to use the ground as a hitter. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners like are actively in, in baseball or sports and stuff like that, but you know, as a hitter, your all your power comes from the bottom, right? So you can hit the ball really hard, but you won't be able to drive it or backspin it because you're not connected to the ground. So that was kind of just the biggest thing for me was staying connected to the ground, um, having a good load. And, and it's like intent. Like you look for this certain pitches that you can hit and drive. And, you know, one, after, after you do that, you just got to trust it and go from there. So um, I, I will say the, um, the coaches I had at Northwood were really good. Like they're really good coaches. They cared about you a lot, which made it easy. Like there wasn't a lot of pressure on you, you know, so definitely helped but yeah I would say you know just going working from the ground up using your legs and that's really all I did and it it made a difference for sure so so you you played for this team the Madison Mallards and this was in the Northwoods League over the summer so for people that really don't know what the Northwoods League is explain to us what that league is and the team that you played for and also talk a little bit about how you got involved with that team. Cause I don't think it's just something where you just sign up and you can go play. Uh, you had to be invited. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, we'll just say that, like, I've been at a disadvantage my whole, like or at least getting into leagues like that, just like coming from a D2 background, you don't really get as many opportunities and looks. So, um, yeah, my after my freshman year, I you know I had a really good, really good freshman year. So um, I knew I was going to be able to get into the league at some point. It was just a matter of time because what they do is they'll fill up those teams with all D one guys. You know, let them play, and if they don't like it or whatever, they don't do well, they'll leave, and then they'll fill in the spot with a lesser lesser guy from like a D two D three school. So I waited halfway into my freshman year summer. And I knew I was going to go play somewhere. I had, like, options to go play in, like, North Dakota and, like, crazy shit like that in Minnesota. And I said, like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait, try and get something a little closer because there's teams in Michigan in, in that league and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go all the way out there. But so I waited. And then Madison came calling. And I knew, like, Madison was clear cut, like, the best team that you could go play for in, in that league. So I, you know, hopped right on it. And played there for two years and then yeah like I said it that was definitely one of the biggest reasons that I did get drafted so wow that's crazy that they they called and because I I know that um a lot of former or current major league baseball players have played in that league there's I say is one of the oh I mean there's a ton I can't I'm not even gonna start naming names yeah no I know I knew Scherzer I think Strasburg I want to say Buster Posey too Granderson Uh, I know played in that league so yeah no it's it's that besides like the cape cod league i'd say it's probably the best you know summer summer league that you could get into for sure so so for you playing it spending your college career at northwood and then over the summer you make the transition to madison but that so you played for madison three summers as well i was i was invited back my junior year summer but i just said i'm gonna wait till the draft you know if, if i don't get drafted i'll come play with you guys um 
which was understandable for like they did they were okay with that but yeah no i played two summers there so and what was how did you feel in in terms of the atmosphere and the environment was there more scouts like did you feel there was a lot more pressure on you when you played in the northwoods league versus a, a typical tournament that you would have playing for northwood um i would honestly say I don't know. I mean, I would, I would say there was less pressure in the Northwoods league just because, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you do there. Like, obviously you want to go do well, but I'd take a good season in college over the Northwoods league all day. Um, like I didn't, I'm not the type, like I don't feel pressure. Like, cause we would play in front of 6,000 people in Madison and stuff like that. And I kind of feed it off. Like I fed off that. I didn't, I wasn't like nervous of making a mistake in front of all those people and whatnot. And it's crazy because you talk about pressure and stuff like that. Like I felt way more pressure in pro ball, obviously, cause it's my job and stuff like that. And we played it, we would be playing in front of like 4,000 less people, you know? So mm-hmm. um, no, but playing in Madison was a, an, an experience all in itself, man. It crazy for sure. So, David, you were drafted in 2019, 15th round by the St. Louis Cardinals. You've worked so hard your entire life. What was going through your mind the day that you were drafted? All right. Well, I like that question. Um, I don't know. I mean, the draft is obviously three days long, and or it was three days long, Not probably not anymore. But, um, you know, I knew I was going to be a third-day guy if I was going to get drafted, so – the first two days, obviously I wasn't really watching too closely and, and whatnot. Um, and then the third day rolls along and I, a couple of my buddies who I played with at Madison got drafted and, you know, I knew I was right on the level that they were at. Like I knew I could compete at their level. Like I played with them, you know, so I knew how my talent compared to theirs. So I saw that they got drafted in like the 12th round, whatever. So at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to turn off the draft. I'm going to stop watching it because, like, if I get drafted, I get drafted. If I don't, it's not the end of the world. Um, my agent at the time texted me saying, like, you know, be ready after the 25th round, which there was back, back in, when, in 2019, there was 40 rounds. So mm-hmm. after the 25th round, I was like, okay, you know, whatever. I, I obviously would have I accepted any spot I got drafted at, you know, um, but knowing I'd be going after the 25th round, you know, it definitely was tough to swallow just because you want, you know, you want to get drafted as high as possible. You'll get more money that way and whatnot. So he texted me that. And then literally like five minutes later, I, my phone just starts blowing up. You know, I get called from my, or from the scout that was scouting me from the Cardinals. And he's just like, yeah, we're going to take you with the 15th round pick. And that's pretty much all she wrote. I was at sunrise on a 13 in orchard lake oh really eating yeah i didn't i wasn't home or anything like that because my my parent my family would have been annoying me but yeah um (laughs) yes i was like you know what i'm just gonna leave i went to sunrise i was eating with a couple friends and literally right as we walk out that's when it we found out so it was definitely uh an exciting moment for sure you know i i i can't even tell you the stress man leading up to that and you know, working so hard and it's finally coming true was definitely a great feeling for sure. 
So, like, the days leading up to before you were drafted, is it a guarantee? Like, do you know that you are going to be drafted? Do, do that's scout like what how much do you know before the draft goes down because obviously you know that you're being scouted and i'm sure you've been in contact with so many teams but how do you know that it's a guarantee that you'll be drafted or do you just is it a waiting game i mean for in my case like there's no guarantees you know like i like we've talked about you know coming from a d2 school who's never had a draft pick you know so if they're gonna if a team's gonna be willing to take you like they're gonna t- be really just taking a risk on a D2 guy who, you know, a lot of times doesn't pan out, but, you know, I knew, like, I, I knew I could play. I would like to say I've been slept on like my whole career. So I knew I could play and yeah, I mean, leading up to it, I definitely was not sure that I was going to get drafted. I will say that, you know, like that definitely can't say I was, I knew, I mean, I had a good junior year, but, for D2 standards, it's like you got to ball out every single year to even continue getting looked at. So, no, if you to answer your question, I was not ever really expecting to get drafted. I was very hopeful, but never expecting. Damn, that's that's amazing. I really – I had a feeling that you would you would maybe know, especially because the MLB draft, like, before they cut it down, it was 40 rounds. That's a lot of players that get drafted that are that spread across, you know, all of the minor league teams, but to not know you're being drafted and then to be told if it's going to happen, it probably won't be till after the 25th round and then being drafted in the 15th round. That's just insane. Like that, I'm sure it, it took you days to even realize like, Hey, like, wow. Like I was, No, I was, I was just, you know, saying I, it was probably like it, it took you a while to even come to the fact that, wow, like, hey, I've just been drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals. So did you – what did the days after the draft look like in terms of your communication with the team? Right. So uh, it's crazy how it, it all works, man. Like, you know, obviously you celebrate with the family and friends and whatnot, but they only give you like – I think I had like a week at home after I got drafted. You get sent right down to – So the spring training complex, ours is in West Palm Beach, Florida. So, yeah, they give you like a week to, you know, prepare and you go down there. And then after that, you don't come home for like four months. So it's pretty much what happened. Um, You know, you just got to be ready. And I, I mean, I had a good first year, so I think I was definitely, definitely ready. So. And, and you were ready, but un- unfortunately, with COVID and everything, Major League Baseball and all of sports were postponed. But what MLB did, and I hate to use this word, but unprecedented, as we heard it so many times, uh, in an unprecedented move, they got rid of the minor, league syst- uh, the minor league season for the year, which obviously cut your time short uh, temporarily with the Cardinals. So I, you and I met up at the beginning of the year and I, I separately, I did a story on you for school. Uh, but tell us, I mean, what, what was that like when you, when you got down to Florida and the, the possibility that you were going to play in spring training and, and the players and people that you would get to meet. And, you know, here you are, it's the beginning of 2021 and you have yet to have a, a full complete season under your belt. Yeah, man. I mean, so obviously when you get drafted, you don't 
go to spring training or anything like that because it's already passed. Um, so I was really looking forward to this, you know, this past year going to spring training, meeting a bunch of people. Because, like, people will ask me, oh, do you know so-and-so from the Cardinals? I'm like, dude, like, I've, I've met 50 people from this org, you know, because you just meet, you meet so many people in spring training and, and, and that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I was just really excited to meet people, try and talk to some big leaguers, um, you know, do stuff like that. And I was just excited to play baseball. This is like my first full year without playing like a baseball game, probably since I was in T-ball, you know, which is crazy to think about, but yeah, I mean, definitely unfortunate circumstances on what happened but I'd, I'd like to think we're going to come out better for it you know the cream's going to rise to the top whoever was working hard is going to really show and whoever was not you know so so now you you are anticipating going down to to florida for spring training correct yes i mean i would you would have to think like there's no way they're just gonna like sit a majority of their organization for two whole years you know like there's that's just that doesn't really seem feasible. They're just doing a complete disservice to their team and, and well, every yeah, and player I, they've drafted or traded for over the past, you know, X amount of seasons. Like, And it's like, obviously the big leagues is like, that's like all that, you know, you, is really cared about and talked about in baseball, but you got to get, you got to build up guys to get to the big leagues, you know? So that's, I don't know. It's crazy. I just am ready to, you know, get back out on the field for sure. So. So when you when you were told and you found out that the season was being canceled, what was your uh, initial thought as for for a plan as of what you were gonna do? Because that was a lot of time. I mean, you had an entire year basically to yourself. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was just crazy being at spring training and like seeing the NBA games get or the NBA season get shut down. Like at, right when we saw that, we were like, "Oh yeah, we're going home." Like, there's mm-hmm. no way they're going to keep 300 people from all over the world in this one little small area. Like we're going home. So I was literally in spring training for 24 hours, got sent home. Um, and then from there, it was just like, you know, you can either lay down and, and get upset about it or you can get back to work. So this summer we had a really good group of minor leaguers that are from Michigan that we, would do live, you know, live at bats and train together and stuff like that, you know, just kind of to stay in the loop with everything. And, you know, we get to ask, Oh, have you heard anything from your organization? And so, and so, you know, cause every organization does stuff differently. So, um, like I said, I want to, I want to say it was a benefit having the year shut down, you know, definitely is made me a better player. And, um, yeah, man. Like I've, you know, you you see my stuff. I work, I work every day. So I just hope it all pays off in the long run. Yeah. When, when was the last, I mean, you haven't seen a live at bat. You haven't been in a live at bat unless you want to count, you know, going to the bullpen, but you're like you had said, I'm sure you were facing guys that were facing pitchers that are trying to get their work in as well, but you haven't been in an actual game environment. Yeah, it's like last it's like weird to think about. It's like like I like I'm trying to like think of what I what I'm gonna feel when I get to step back on the the field and like the rush I'm gonna get and like it's just crazy because like you honestly I forgot how that felt you know how that that rush the adrenaline all that stuff you know it's like it's, it's a and it's like not cr- even there anymore. 
what's crazy too is like everyone's gonna feel that way because I mean, how how weird is that to think about everyone's gonna be so antsy to get on the field and and whatnot and yeah it's just like it's like i'm trying to envision like me going to catch a fly ball or something like that and it's like man i don't even remember what that feels like you know? yeah so I know you, you know, you haven't had a full season yet, so you don't necessarily know the ropes per se, but tell us as much as you know about the minor league season. What is the grind like? Uh, have you thought of things that could possibly happen, like being traded and how you'd have to adjust from that? Uh, you know, what is that life like as a minor league player? Yeah, I mean, I... I want to say no one's really thinking about getting traded. If you do get traded, it's not actually the worst thing because they trade you. That means that you have some form of value, you know, so it's not getting traded is definitely not the worst thing. Um, But like you said, it's just a grind, you know, we low level minor leaguers do not get treated like how you would maybe think so. Like we're riding buses seven hours jam packed, you know, to get to a, a, a game and whatnot, you know, the, the food isn't always great. Luckily we had a, a personal chef with the team that I was playing in. So the food was always fine, but I know a lot of guys don't get that, you know, that, uh, that experience. So it's just a grind, man. You know, you're playing every, every single day. So it's getting, you're going to have, there's going to be times where your, your brain's tired. There's going to be times where you're, you're mentally like just not there. And I mean, I think it just, goes to show you like the guys who can handle that the best are the guys who are in the big leagues now, you know, you have to endure all the bullshit and tough, tough stuff to get to the, the golden egg, which would be, you know, making the big leagues and staying there, which I've heard is just like the craziest experience. So. Yeah. Cause you're not playing at Drake sports park right down the road. Like it's not a 10 minute drive. I mean, you're, you are traveling different States week by week. It is, it's a grind that I can't even relatively imagine what that's like. And the, the the crazy part is, in a sense, you've been doing this all your life, so you are so used to it. But it's just so difficult when you're playing all those games and you're on the road and it's long days and even longer nights. And it's, you know, it, it's the minor leagues too. So it's not like you are comfortably living essentially i mean a lot of i read a story uh back at the beginning of covid it was an espn article and they interviewed a whole bunch of minor leaguers guys that were you know just like you early on into their career in the minors and a couple other guys that have been playing in the minors for a while and you know they talk about what it's like and that how everyone has like a side hustle you know you see a lot of those guys uh with any free time they have possibly in the off season they're doing they're driving around for Uber Eats or they're, you know, th- like that's big as delivery stuff. So it's, it's definitely a, you know, a, a big time adjustment. Uh, and you, you and I both, we're still so young. So like, it's, it's such a grind and I highly respect it. And as you know, like it takes so much hard work, but that hard work will get you there hopefully. Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, like you said about, about working and stuff like, like, like last off season, I delivered flowers, the whole, you know, like I, it's like, unless you sign for a bunch of money, you're not going to be in the position or if your family has a lot of money, like growing up, you're not going to be in the position to really just sit on your ass and 
you know, not do, not do something in the off season, you know, cause you just, it's just, you only get paid in season. So it's not like I'm getting a paycheck from the Cardinals, you know? So it's just a huge grind, man. Whole year. It's definitely a whole year grind. You can't ever really take a day off. So where do you realistically see yourself within the next five years? Do you feel as if your chances of being called up to the big leagues one day, how likely that is, or is it not within five years? Could it be sooner? I mean, how, what you as a player in your mindset, in your day-to-day, what is your thought in regards to that? Because you, everyone has that same end goal, right? And like you say, it's the golden egg. So how likely do you think it is for yourself? I mean, obviously for anybody to get to the big leagues, like a lot of things have to go right. And, you know, I think it's definitely possible. I, I'm just going to trust that my hard work and everything like that, you know, pays off and really that's all I have to base it off of. I mean, it's not just up to me. Like a lot of like, you know, people might have to get hurt, you know, like it's just a ton of variables going to getting to the big leagues, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to count myself out and, I think I'm in a good organization to get there too. So there's, there's so many obstacles and so many variables, like you say, even injuries, like obviously you don't, you don't wish that upon anyone, but that just opens up an opportunity for you or, or anybody else. Uh, and you know, if you look in a lot, a lot of guys, their stories, nothing is ever linear. Like no one has the same. The same it's like, like Bryce Harper, you know, Mike Trout. Yeah, right. The the guys like that. But I mean, your your typical major league guy, it's it's all so different. But it it never comes easy, and you you especially you know that. And and uh, I think like what's really benefiting me in this whole story that we have going is like like the way I look at it now is like I'm having fun with it now. Like I have. You know, like I worked so hard to get here, had so much pressure to get here, like, and then I got here and now it's just like, all right, let's see how far I can take it. You know, it's not, it's not make or break. Like, you know, I'm not a first rounder guy who has to make the big leagues or else he's looked at as a failure. Like, you know, I'm already, I'm already, I've already succeeded like what I thought I could do personally. So from here on out, it's all, it's all fun, you know? Yeah. I like that. I, I like that a lot because like you say, you work so hard to get to where you are and you got to enjoy it. It's just, don't let it, don't let it get to you. Don't rush. Just take your time. Cause you got, I'm going to take all of, I'm going to take all, you know, all the experiences. I like when I was at the all-star game, like I, I caught Bernie Williams, like first pitch, like I met Bernie Williams, just like stuff like that, you know? And that's stuff that like, you're going to, that's going to, I'm going to, that's going to stick with me for probably like the rest of my life, you know, just stuff like that. And well, Dave, I, I wish you the best of luck. Living in Michigan is tough with the weather. You can't be outside playing every day. That's definitely the biggest, <laughs> the, the biggest of bummers. Uh, but I, I, I see, I know you're grinding. You're at the bullpen every day and it's, it's a lot of hard work, but you know, I, hopefully it pays off. And I'm curious to see where, you know, I will be five, do- five years down the road. And, and who knows, maybe our, our paths will cross in the craziest of ways. But before we let you go, Dave, 
uh, let's have a little bit of fun here. Um, <laughs> I got a couple of would you rather questions. Um, some of these are more so local. Well, one of them in particular is, is very local based. Uh, but so we're going to get started. Uh, the first one is, would you rather have the power to control the weather within a one mile radius of where you are at any moment or clap your hands and any food you want appears before your eyes? I would take the weather all day. I mean, my mom still cooks for me, so I, uh, <laughs> I pretty much get that regardless. So I would take the weather. I hate the cold a lot. So if I could get like 75 and sunny around me at all times, I'd be very happy. I feel you. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Uh, number two, we have, would you rather not have to pay bills for the rest of your life or receive a free monthly check of $5,000? I mean, that's a tough question. I feel like, I don't know. Like <laughs> I'm, not, I'm actually really thinking about this because 5,000 a month, like would pay for your bills. I'm going to take the five grand, honestly. Yeah. So would I. Uh, and just try and live a lifestyle that could supplement that five grand. Right. And that's like, you are constantly getting five grand every month or you don't have to pay any bills, but like that 5,000 could be like free, it's free money, you know, spend it how you want. All right. So now we're going to get a little bit more fooling. Would you rather work at McDonald's and someone throws a McFlurry in your face in the drive through once daily or work as a janitor and slip every time that you mop the floor. Hold up. What was the first option again? First option is you work at McDonald's and every day you work, someone throws a McFlurry in your face in the drive-thru. Or you're a janitor and every time you mop, you slip. I mean, that's, I don't even want to choose either of those. Let me think for a second. Um, I mean, am I getting hurt when I'm falling? Or am I, I just like... I mean, you just like, it's like a slip and like fall hard on your ass. Like it hurts. I'm going to take falling and just hoping that I never seriously injure myself just because I think it would really piss me off if I got McFlurry thrown at my face every single day. That, that would be tough. Fun. Yeah. Like I'd rather just eat shit and fall and get up and be like, oh, well, it's my fault. I, you know, I, I came up with these and I, I thought of coning. Remember coning? Yeah, where you like, grab you grab the ice cream cone, or or no, was it or was, it? It could go either way. Like you would, they would hand you the ice cream cone. No, it couldn't go. It couldn't go either way. You would take you would take like the ice cream off the cone. Or, yeah. I thought coning was where they you would get an ice cream cone and they would hand it oh, to you and you and you throw it at the window, <laughs> or like that, or you like grab it by the actual ice cream part and they just look at you like a weirdo. Yeah, and they're standing there like holding the cone, and you got like the ice cream in your hand. Yes, that was. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just not trying to have ice cream thrown at my face. Take me back. Take me back to like when that was the worst thing. You know, everyone's coning at McDonald's, or there's like there's like a, a lettuce E. coli outbreak. <laughs> yeah, that was that was before uh, before TikTok became a thing. And yes, before TikTok, that is true. That would oh, that would be toxic these days. Oh, that's what I'm saying, bro. Like for the like, clout, like eight-year-old girls like going in the drive-throughs, making TikToks and going coning. That sounds brutal. <laughs> Couldn't be me. No. All right, number four, we have. Uh, would you rather be Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars, or would you rather be Marvin from Marvelous Marvins? <laughs> 
Um, I think I'd rather be Rick Harrison. I think Rick Harrison's still living. So, I mean, no, no offense to Marvin, but. That's facts. Marvin did die. RIP Marvin. I mean, Marvin lived a cool ass life though. I can't even be too upset. Like he fuck, he just played in an arcade the whole time he lived. And I love the arcade. So I, I, I feel you. And that it's like legendary too. Like there was a, I don't know if you saw, uh, I came across like a GoFundMe because they weren't able to really afford their bills. And obviously, because who knows what that electric bill looks like. And there was so many people that like, like it filled up instantly. Like so many people know Marvelous Marvin's like, and they easily hit their goal and exceeded it. I mean, it's, there's a lot of clout in both regards. Like if you are Rick Harrison, like you got the show, you're worth more because people are bringing in their shit to you and stuff like you're making cheese. But regardless, it's more so, you know, do you want to be like a local legend or do you want to be like a schmuck on the History Channel? That's true. I mean, I still think I'm taking... See, now you're you're kind of switching my mind. I think I'm still taking Rick Harrison just because he has a lot of money and he's still <laughs> living. But, um, I mean, if I could get like a little mixture of both, maybe Rick Harrison and like then Rick Harrison builds an arcade. I mean, <laughs> that would be the best of both worlds, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think I would... You I would think, take Marvin, bro. You would take Marvin. Yeah, I'd want to be Marvin. That's facts. Because you're just, like, you're you're an icon. Like, he's he's dead, but he's, like, still... He's a legend. He's an icon. He's dead, but he's living <laughs> vicariously through... <laughs> through... <laughs> through every machine at Marvin. Through, through the giant uh, uh, buffalo that was on the wall and would have smoke coming out of his nose. I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, so they didn't get shut down. No, they they didn't. Well, it closed, but they didn't like permanently close. They're still open. I've actually been meaning to go because uh, yeah, I, I I wonder if they're like, I would love to go at some point. I wonder if they're still like because obviously they had to shut down for a majority of quarantine. I would assume. Yeah. Yep. They were closed, but they I, they opened within the last two months. I want to say. Uh, I love and, arcades personally. Like that's my my favorite. Yeah, and it'd be fire to go there now because it's freezing out, and I mean, what else can you? Everything's closed except Marvin's. All right, so last one here, and this is a toughie, but I think I know my answer. Uh, so, would you rather only be able to use the bathroom if you go to a Qdoba, or you can only eat if you're inside a Taco Bell? So let me explain. It's not it, whenever you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to a Qdoba to like one, number one or number two. That, yeah, that is your only option. Yeah. But when you eat, it has to be inside a Taco Bell. It doesn't have to be Taco Bell, but it could be whatever you want. You just have to eat inside a Taco Bell. I mean, I would probably just eat inside of the Taco Bell, I would say, because like if I really have to go to the bathroom, and it's I mean, like midnight. Yeah, and like Qdoba's closed. Like I'm shit out of luck. <laughs> I don't like Taco Bell either, though. So that's actually funny that you say that. I know. I I said I did that one on purpose because it's funny. I was <laughs> I was talking to Eli yesterday, and I needed help with like the the or option of this one, and he was like, he was like, Dave used to hate Taco Bell, so make it uh you can only eat inside Taco Bell, and I was like, yeah, it's fire. Yeah, I'm not a big Mexican food fan, and then you throw. 
fast food Mexican food on top of it and you just you lost me so I would just yeah I would I would eat at Taco Bell but never eat their food so that would actually that would actually kind of work out for me in a sense because I wouldn't be eating their food regardless so and Taco Bells are open till like 2 a.m so exactly so I I have at least couple I have at least a couple more hours to use the restroom if I need to well at that point you're chilling you could pee you can go to the bathroom wherever you want but if you chose, if you chose Qdoba, right. Qdoba, you're screwed. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I can only go to the bathroom until like 10 p.m. <laughs> in most cases. Yeah. So. Dave, you got anything else to add before we dip? Uh, I don't. You know, hopefully, I hope your podcast keeps growing. Um, I hope you get some cooler guests than myself on there. <laughs> no. And, um, you're like the coolest guest we got so far. No offense to. I know, but that's <laughs> everyone you know, else. You, you gotta gotta keep going so yeah man i just hope you keep working and i hope you know you get to reach your goals at some point and get get what you really want out of this so 